When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we are. We are back. What's up? First thing that I have is, uh, so there was a number of email leaks in the last two weeks. There was the Fauci emails, which leaked. And then there was Hunter Biden text. Did you see any of this stuff? All of this is news to me. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not actually as interested in the contents of either of this stuff. Okay. I'm just going to, whatever you say is what I will think is what happened. <laughs> so, briefly, Hunter Biden, I think a while back, left a laptop in a repair store and somebody I somehow got a hold of it and started leaking documents, which led to the whole Hunter Biden interest during the election, Joe Biden's son, obviously. And they went back. There were texts in 2009 that he was sending to his lawyer at the time mm-hmm. where he uses the N word with, uh, without the hard R in a like playful capacity. He's like talking to his white lawyer and he's calling him like, yo, what's up my, you know, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, and what is he, what did he write? like say it (laughs) (laughs) you hate me uh it is funny that the the inability to reference that word if you're not black when you are clearly not saying it in a hateful way like we've we've i do think that we've lost the thread of what language is and does. It is not just sounds that inherently have meaning. It, it occurs, obviously, in a context, but we don't need to go there. So anyway, that's the Hunter Biden stuff. He does that. Oh, my God, Hunter Biden, evil guy. Um, from the right, and then the left doesn't care <laughs> or yeah. doesn't cover it, obviously. Oh, it's and funny. Wait, <laughs> really? So now the right is upset about the N-bomb and the left doesn't care? Yeah, they're upset about the hypocrisy of it all. It's, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it, so then there's the Fauci emails, which are... Somehow, somebody probably hacked him in this case. I don't mm. actually know how they came out. And they find emails, which I think are quite unfair to him. They're like, he knew about the lab leak hypothesis. And some of the things that they were saying, they went through all of his emails, and the criticisms are he was responding to a lot of his emails, but didn't get back to the lab leak one, which is like, dude, to go through this guy's email list and say that he, quote unquote, knew mm. everything that was sent to him in an email is, have, is such a stretch. I have a theory about Dr. Fauci, actually. I think that during the pandemic, he was quite busy. And, <laughs> well, uh, then it's like, well, he was he answering have... these emails. He was active in, <laughs> Most in answering. Most people don't know what it's like to get so many emails, though. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, or the fact that you, like, you have a virtual assistant who processes mm. your emails and decides what gets to you and what doesn't. People don't have that. It doesn't occur to them. So if someone looked into charlie at chrismoncommand.com's inbox and saw it was being responded to and wasn't. Yeah. They they wouldn't assume that it wasn't you forwarding to your other email that's a private email. You know what I mean? And I think... They would yeah. just think you email yourself a yeah, lot. The idea <laughs> that he knew things that were in his email is, is a stretch. Sure. Because uh, they all called him with the same amount of attention at the beginning, and there's a bunch of stuff in there that isn't getting covered, and then they go, oh my God, he responded to this one woman who had a question in great detail, but he didn't respond to the lab leak hypothesis. So now he's getting blasted, obviously, just from one direction. Mm. But I think the the most interesting part is that we no have one to, cares where the information comes. We from. just stop sticking up for each other's privacy. Yeah, it's it's really a shame uh, because look now, 
I'm I'm aware of it because we play we play uh, online games. Every gamer's doomed because PlayStation is recording all of your stuff and will be. And with the same uh, ease that text messages and emails are leaking, oh. everything you've your ever phone said could just be recording all your the time, phone, even on lock mode. Like I'm not saying it is, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying everything you've ever said could be recorded. And I promise that you've said something when you thought you were not being recorded, but that wasn't most, good if it got put on the Wall Street Journal. Are not going to get like Dr. Fauci if he doesn't take a position of prominence, never has to deal with anything. Yeah, if you're a like, nobody, Hunter it's not Biden, an issue. And this is the other thing. Now, if you want to run in politics, you have to be like, look. Not only have I lived a life where I literally have never once said a word in any context that is a, that is going to get me canceled in any context ever. Well, you also don't know because what gets you canceled 40 years, like you're 12 right now. Yeah. You're going to have to live your entire life till you get to 50 to run for office. And something you yeah. say at 16 was totally fine. Yeah. And then things will change we had and a, you'll get canceled for we it. We had a friend in Brazil who was Brazilian and uh, came to the United States to college and listened to a lot of rap music and was like a white Brazilian. And he used to say the N-word with a, without the hard R constantly. It was like he, how he communicated. Mm-hmm. It's to be like, dude, you, can't, you cannot do that around Americans. Mm-hmm. All of that context for him, the fact that he's Brazilian, listens to yeah, rap yeah. music, doesn't like that he, he hears that, uh, gets lost if he ever runs for office. Oh, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. just a white the guy. The fact that he was raised in a different <laughs> yeah, country yeah. that had different social no constructs. And- yeah, so no one cares about all that. If, if this uh, thrust of culture continues, continues in this direction but yeah the most disturbing thing is that we're not sticking up for one another's privacy and unfortunately i don't think there's ever going to be this has been happening for years though donald sterling had a private a thing private... leaked, and that's what got him yeah canceled like i for for decades i think people don't particularly care about privacy because to your point unless you are someone of influence or power what you say will not be held against you you're just a person that no one's paying attention to the powers that be don't want to hack you. And it doesn't cause like, I bet you there's a lot of people out there that would say like, I have never in my life used the N word and they would mean it to their core. And you could find a text message from 2009 when they were 12 years younger where they did, you know, or something like, or if it's not the N word, it it's, is it's a homophobic slur. Something else. It's a yeah. misogynistic joke. And so it's a joke at the expense of men. Like, so I somehow, think, some way, I think you have a sincere population of people who are, um, potentially, well, actually, you know what? I wish most people don't give a damn is the truth, but you have, a, you have a population of people that are sincere in their, um, disgust or rage or whatever, cause they, they genuinely feel it and they would genuinely mean it when they said, I've never done anything like this and would be shocked or surprised that they had over and over and over again. Well, what I do believe is that they haven't past. done what they are mad at, which is to say, if you're like furious about the N word, maybe in your entire life, you've never said it, you've never texted it, mm-hmm. but what you don't realize is that you said the word gay in a derogatory yeah. tone yeah. in 2006. Mm-hmm. And it's the same It's the same thing in the sense that you'll get canceled for it and you didn't mean it and it was a joke and it happened 16 years ago mm-hmm. or so, 15 years ago. But also, this is probably, this is just, you know, a few fringe people trying to make the news cycle turn because I, I sincerely doubt anyone cares. But it, it just, for, from Joe Biden's perspective, as a dad, and he's looking at his son just get, one, thrust into the limelight and then destroyed uh, in the last, I don't know, 12 months. And I don't know how he's handling it. But you, if, you're running for, if you're running for politics, you're going, 
can every one of my friends and family handle what I'm about to do to them? Mm-hmm. Like, are they all prepared to have every one of their text messages poured through? Well, I don't think going people, back over a decade. I, I don't know anyone who cares about the kid thing. I don't know even people who didn't like Biden. I don't know anyone who said, "Oh, Biden shouldn't be in office because of Hunter's problems." Well, Hunter has problems now. This is what I'm saying. Like, Hunter has additional problems in his life. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe deserves, you're saying maybe you're not. saying what I'm saying, which is your your friends and family will suffer, but your chances of winning the election actually won't. I think that's more just on your own behavior. Uh, I don't think anyone yeah. swung from vote. I'm going to vote for Biden. And then the Hunter lab laptop league came out and they went, now I'm going to vote for Trump or now I'm not going to vote. Right. I think it swung zero votes. Probably it just right. makes Hunter's life worse. Yes. And discourages people with vulnerable loved ones and whatever that means in the future, which is just, you know, whatever happened with that wasn't the whole thing that Hunter was a pedophile and there was like concrete evidence on know, his laptop. Dude, that he had child not, pornography? Like, the content of it. I'm, I'm uh, very it just went so away. Other when people he was can cover that. Yeah, other people can can cover that. I'm I'm not because that that thing gets into well, it was this, but there becomes a lot of debate about the facts. I I'm in, I'm interested in the facts that we can agree upon, which is he did not willfully leak any of this stuff, and we're all talking about it. Uh, this would not be admissible in any sort of court, and uh, just the fact that we don't stick. That, that's up. not true. You can subpoena people's texts and emails. It would be admissible in court. Sure, you could subpoena. It. Um, you would not be able to like go to a lab the store, purchase it, you know, uh, purchase his data and then leak it. Like this leak thing that is happening, it would not be admissible. Um, and I think with good reason. But yeah, we just all, there's a collective apathy about privacy. I um, think it's really easy not to care about privacy when it's hard to imagine that you'll ever suffer from a lack sure. of privacy. Yeah, Because one, we're all not aware of the things that we put in writing 20 years ago, but also two, yeah, most people, this someone powerful needs to want to take you down in order for someone to hack your stuff and leak it. Mm-hmm. And most people will just never be important. And so they won't ever have a powerful enemy. Yeah. So that that was my thought on that. I don't know if you have anything else. I have other. Didn't need to go too hard on that one. No, I don't think that's an issue that's going to go away. No, I think it's going to keep happening because no one's gonna only stand a small up. amount yeah. of people suffer because of it. I totally agree. That was the direction that I saw. And it's going to get with voice stuff is going to become more and more popular. It's going to be um, your own voice, which is going to be even more damning. And yeah, it's just going to continue. Until the deep fakes get too good. <laughs> yeah. And then voice will no longer be trusted. Uh, and then the people who say, yes, it was me, are going to be the quote unquote suckers. But the, you know, the pathological lives are like, that's not me. <laughs> who are just totally That's a deep comfortable. Fake. <laughs> they're That's gonna, a deep fake. They're going to rise to the cream of the top, the nope. cream of the crop. I'm not taking ownership for that. That is uh, AI. Uh, so another thing that happened this week, which you and I discussed, but I thought was just interesting for our podcast listeners, is we we entered into an impromptu negotiation, and you and I had very different <laughs> takes on it, which I thought was interesting. Uh, we were, I was looking to join a course. Uh, I thought that the course would have a monetary price tag. Mm-hmm. Turns out that the course owners wanted a piece of the businesses of the people joining this course because it was a business-related course mm-hmm. um, in exchange, which was, for us, just a non-starter. It was an Yeah, a- it's a good deal if you don't have a business because yeah. then it's like, oh, yeah, you buy this. If you make a business and it goes well, we get some. Mm-hmm. But for us coming in with a sizable pre It's just like business. 10% of sales are going to do this. It's like I've worked for 10 years to, ge- to be able to generate whatever my 100% are, yeah. of sales that are that are large and yeah for you to step in today is just it didn't work for us sure. sure um it was very interesting though that my take on this was uh, i was just like look this isn't going to work 
Uh, and I was, you know, writing back the email that was saying, this isn't going to work. And instead you're like, let me write it. And my email was going to start, hey, unfortunately, that's not going to work for us. And your email started, super excited to join. <laughs> no, no, it said, I talked to my co-founder. We would love to join. We would love to join. And then you say, one thing, one small thing. <laughs> one no, I said, small, not one small thing. I said, just one thing. Just one note. I didn't just, say it was small. <laughs> just one thing. I said, I said, I talked to my co-founder. We would love to join. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Just one thing. The, everything you said was true. Right. Everything I didn't say one small thing. I said, okay. just one thing. It was, the frame was really interesting because my frame was, they made me an offer that was 10 times more than I'm willing to pay. So I'm going to buy into their frame and say, no, mm-hmm. I said, yeah, unfortunately your frame doesn't work for me. What you said is. This is a great idea because we're doing it my way. Mm-hmm. And so you said one thing, instead of paying you that 10%, we're going to pay you a flat fee, which will amount to one-tenth of that, but still it's thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, let us know. We're, we're stoked. And it didn't wind up. It didn't up, work, yeah. It didn't wind up working, but I have seen that work for you in the past. Mm-hmm. And it was just interesting because I was like, I can't physically type this email. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable for me to have understood what this person requested and smile back at them while I say, let's do it my way for one-tenth the price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's listen, their ask from our perspective is much. absurd. Yeah. And you were just very, like I had bought into that frame of, oh, it's a reasonable ask for them and I don't want to disrupt the world. And yours was like, look, this is an absurd ask. I'm going to shoot back with my absurd ask with the smile on my face. And if it doesn't work out, um, yeah, no hard feeling. My, my mindset is there's no hard feelings if you say no. And there were no hard like, feelings. There's no, I, no, I don't think like, on either cool. side. It was like, Sounds hey, good. wish you the best. Totally. You guys are going to crush it. You guys are going to crush it. You're just not not the right fit. But I've seen that work for you. And just something to consider if you're out there negotiating is this uh, this frame stuff is I've just I've just seen it. <laughs> I've seen it play out where they come back and are like, yeah, I, OK, sure. Why not? It. Yeah, just I mean, honestly, I feel like the number one thing I ever heard for negotiating is the person that cares the least will often win. And so I try to just come in with a clear understanding that I don't need anything from this person. Yeah. So they can say no and we cannot do business and I'm totally fine. And that ability to walk away is I think the strongest thing you can have in a negotiation. So that's why like constantly, if you're trying to negotiate a raise, best thing you can do is go get a job somewhere else that offers you more money. Being able to, have options, say no, be unfazed. That's, I think, more important than any NLP-style negotiating yeah. covert hypnosis-type lesson out there. People don't like that. I, I People really want the words oh, to say. Of course, yeah, you want to know. Listen, when you, say, when you say something, I want you to tap your face here. <laughs> yeah. You're going to anchor them to this tap, and then when you request it, you're going to tap, and they'll subconsciously be forced to say yes to yeah. your demands. Like, no. Building options. I've never seen anyone actually do that well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just building and having options. And if you ever feel yourself, like, feel that you need something to step away, uh, we have a rule where if, like, it's an exploding offer, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Meaning an exploding offer is like, hey, you got to decide right now. It's like, okay, uh, as much as I want it, the answer is no. I can't. And by the way, exploding offer doesn't mean, that just means within the context of a conversation. You need to be able to step away and see. Yeah, I got a job yeah. offer. They said, hey, just so you know, we need to know within three days because yeah. we've said we have other candidates waiting that we like. And if we you wait too long, we'll miss out on them. Mm-hmm. I, that's not an exploding offer. Exploding mm-hmm. offer is this one PE company I interviewed for said that I had, uh, I got the offer at 11 p.m. and I had to let them know by 11 a.m. the next day before I had time to interview anywhere Which else. Which is like a, uh, literally all I can do is false. I can't even think. When I say sleep on it, I mean think about it. No, no. <laughs> I, they, I mean, it was very obvious. They, they're... 
a mega fund, one of the top 10 PE firms, their candidates are the type of people that will get offers from multiple top 10 PE firms. And what they want is for you to not. So they go first. They start their interviews before anyone else. And then they demand you answer before you've had a chance to get an offer from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they take advantage of the extremely smart, high qualified, scared people. And I don't mean that derogatorily, but like the people who don't have the confidence to bet on themselves to go just get another offer. And that's what I mean by exploding offer. Not, hey, let me know in a week, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to like, no, having a deadline is okay. Mm -hmm. And also, if it's a small thing, you're at, you know, you're checking out the cash register. When you're, I don't know. They're like, hey, do you want do you want us to throw this in as well? It's half price since you got that. It's not like, sorry, bro, can't do it. <laughs> like, if it's if it's a non consequential decision, it's you know, do whatever you want. Um, but that was interesting. One thing I want to say, kind of a weird tangent from what we were just talking about, but on our charity water campaign, I see people donating with comments that say stuff like, "This is a small donation, but I hope it goes a long way." So I just wanted to read out to anyone who's listening who's donated that it it all helps tremendously. So for people who don't know, we have a fundraiser. It's on charitywater.org slash charisma. And if you donate $40, you get someone water for 10 years. But I see people donating $5 and saying, oh, I hope this helps. It's, <laughs> it's still water for one year. It's massively helpful. And so I just wanted to, I guess, simultaneously thank everyone that's donated. And also for people who are thinking, oh, I can only spare a, a couple bucks. We really appreciate you even just donating a couple bucks. It makes a huge difference. And uh, we talk about on the podcast how the news will steal attention from things and point to something that's unimportant. Uh, 1,400 children die a day because they don't have access to clean water. Is it children or is it yeah, people? children. Oh, wow. Uh, because they don't have access to clean water because they get diseases from their unclean water. So this is an issue the news isn't covering that's very impactful every day to a large amount of people. And we are matching the first $100,000 donated. So if you do only donate $5, it's actually like you're donating $10 and you're getting someone water for over two years and it's massively helpful. So just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's donating. If you want to donate, charitywater.org slash charisma. Yep. And uh, we are going to start in addition to this stuff and have... It's been going on, but we haven't really announced it or made it official. It's just the numbers have worked out this way, that if you do buy Charisma University, we're going to make an equivalent donation in, in bulk, not at that exact moment, but um, over the course of that year that equivalates, equivalates is the equivalent of one person getting clean water for 10 years. So, we'll so yeah, so also if you bought Charisma University, thank you. You're also yeah. getting people clean water. So that was my one shout out. Second shout out I had was... Justin managed to organize five patrons. Were they patrons, right? Yep, all patrons. Five patrons to play us in League of Legends. And I had a really good time. So <laughs> I don't want to name anybody because I didn't flat, flag ahead of time if I could. But you know who you are. Thanks for playing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a good time. We uh, some four on fives. We did some five on fives. Justin traded. <laughs> he yeah, first time I ever had to play against Justin. <laughs> Justin it was terrifying. I was con- You did lose, but I tell you on the comms, it was a constant fear. Of like, where's Justin? Justin's not on the we map. Screaming. We, was, he's we, coming in. He's invading. I know it. He knows where we go. <laughs> a, a, a large level of fear because of you, Justin. And at the end, one of the patrons said, we need to nerf Justin. So... Um, you did very well. I will say the patrons have also, there's uh, there's patrons hanging out that we don't often announce. If you're a patron and if you want to become a patron, there's a Discord community. And they were saying, let people know because there's more patrons than we have in the Discord community. And they discuss episodes and go back and, you know, Justin Justin is in there um, more than I am. I've only poked my head in. But if you want to check that out as a patron, 
think lets you know, or does it auto give them their cred for the community? Yeah, when you join Patreon, there's instructions on how to join the Discord. Cool. So, and then I had one more thing. I have a bunch of stuff, but I'll just save it for next week. But I have one more thing. I do. I have a, one more thing that I realized as well. So. I thought it was interesting. So I've been watching World War II in color. I haven't made it very far, but the one thing that I, it has highlighted for me that I think I underappreciated, uh, I think I was a bit naive up until this, was how important uh, military power is in global power. Like it's not just about having the best inventions and having the best exports. And the I have always had this idea that, oh, it's such a waste that 50% of our tax money goes to the military. And I'm not saying I like that it goes there, but I realize that's why America is considered a global superpower. It's not because of how nice our population is or how whatever, you know, the fact that we have the most most inventions (laughs) per capita or anything like that. And yeah, at the end of the day, I guess the other thing, sorry, that it makes me realize is that global politics has nothing to do with ethics. Like people often, or I'll say, I'll speak for myself. There's a sense that like atrocities are happening all over the world. And why don't we step in? You know, America is the good guys and we step in and yet the Yurgers are still in concentration camps. What's happening? And you watch in World War II in color, Germany is sanctioned by the global nations to that they're not supposed to have an air force. They're not supposed to have a Navy, whatever. They're not supposed to, and they just do it. And they say, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. And then they start to invade other countries and explicitly they're not supposed to do that. And they go, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. And it made me realize this whole global police phenomena. It's, it's all a game of power and money. And it's not actually often the case that countries are risking themselves in the name of doing the right thing. Mm. And so that's probably obvious. And everyone's saying, Ben, you're an idiot for not realizing it sooner. But watching World War II in color just really highlighted how much Hitler spit in the face of other countries and no one did anything. And I'm sure it's happening today in ways that we just don't know about because governments don't often tell you when they've had their space, their face spat in. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, I think so because you were what you're saying is that when the U.S. military or any other military intervenes in somewhere, it's not because that is the area demonstrating the most need. Yes, it's- and also that uh, at the end of the day, it's just all about who has the biggest stick. Like all these trade embargoes, all these. Mm-hmm. It's all it all at the underlying level is backed with the threat of violence. The whole world is running on the threat of violence, basically, mm-hmm. and that's just what powers global treaties yeah, yeah. that's what powers if we can't, if we can't trade embargoes if that's we can't powers, get to an agreement how does this shake down yeah yeah and we there haven't been any major wars on u.s soil in a long time and so i think as an american at least it's very easy to forget that but all of this like we're such an evolved society is it really is backed with just the threat of i'm takes, gonna it just takes kill you if you don't do what the, i say this is the friend or foe thing it's like it takes two friends in order to cooperate and it takes one foe in order to break it right mm-hmm. so if, if you have one cooperative person and one non you have a fight <laughs> or, or you have dominance of, of the non-cooperative person uh yeah it's it's a special and i guess fragile scenario where you have cooperation and you have people taking um losing fights with words and and suffering consequences of those lost fights with words which is why the idea of like, hey, why don't we get someone more powerful than us that can adjudicate and, and okay, then how do you 
rein that power, and that then becomes the question, okay, now the U.S. government is too powerful. Okay, maybe we need a world government. And people say, no, we got to go back to uh, libertarian ideals, and I'll protect myself. Um, I'm, I'm spiraling here a bit, but I do. it does seem like in that, in that world, what you want is just bigger and bigger. I don't like somebody above you to adjudicate because yeah. if you go back to prior to that, it's just every man for himself, and and you naturally just form coalitions that well, that I are guess bigger to, than you. To make it a little bit more concrete for people who haven't who don't know a lot about World War II, I was just amazed at how much Hitler was able to get away with mm-hmm. with no consequences because he wasn't supposed to have an army or an air force or a navy, so he just built them in private, and then when he unveiled them. No one did anything to take them away well, from him. And this is what you're saying is that the world operates on the threat of violence. Mm-hmm. And Hitler said, try me, you know. Yeah. Like, and, and France and the Allies were unwilling to, after World War I, resort again to immediate large-scale violence. Before the fighting started, there's just multiple, like, multiple checkpoints of mm-hmm. him doing whatever he wanted and not being stopped. So he was not, Germany was not supposed to have the Air Force or Navy that he had built. He mm-hmm. built it and then un- unveiled it. It wasn't like people were surprised in combat. He said, look what I have. And no one did anything to take it away from him. Yeah. And then he wanted part of Poland, I think it was, to become part of Germany again. And they were going to have a vote to see if it happened or not. And he was worried that the vote wouldn't go the quote-unquote right way. So he just marched in with military forces right before the vote, said, this is part of Germany now. Mm-hmm. And no one did anything to stop him. Was Poland the start of the war? I think there was one. Pri- he annexed Austria. Could have been Austria. He, well, no, the, but, that, but then no. He sorry. He took part of Poland, I think, and then took Austria, and then went back for the rest of Poland. Yeah, I don't know. And there was Czechoslovakia in there as well. I might be getting some of the the timing off, but he before there was a fight, just kept doing things that he was not supposed to do, or had had, had said, "If you do this, there will be a war." Yeah, and, and then there wasn't. And people a war. just yeah. went, "Well, we're not gonna." We're not going to stop him. And uh, it made me realize, oh, every treaty, I mean, really is just the threat of violence. <laughs> like this whole f- high, it's, it seems like we think we're so much better than animals, but really we're just, we've just managed to have the threat of violence looming over us in a way that we like listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what to, how this fits in with what you're saying, but it does seem related. I watched a video of this guy who went to Africa with one of the last hunter gatherer tribes and he mm-hmm. goes on a hunt with them. And when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's striking, you know, as someone who has never killed their own food and, and the, the visceral reaction. One of the things that, that got me was they go on the hunt. They find basically what amounts to a baby deer. It's got a different African name because it's, it's not a deer. It's something else. Sure. And they bring it down and it's still alive. 
and the hunter then bites its ear to hurt it so it will squeal for its mother to try to bait the mother mm. into coming back for her young. And it's like, my I have a bunch of instincts about that. It's like, wow, to weaponize a mother's love by inflicting suffering onto her baby in order to kill her. Like, what kind of God <laughs> comes up with this scheme? <laughs> um, and then also, like, but what I'm, like, I, 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 it's just impossible to have any judgment over these people because, like, this, it's this or die. Sure. It, it, it's, it's, it's this or you're dead. Um, it was just a, it was, uh, just a reminder of how, I don't know if I'm di- luckily disconnected, but, like, disconnected from the circle of life I am. <laughs> Uh, and I and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it is definitely the case that I have the luxury to choose to try to be moral in the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. And it's like there is morality doesn't even enter the picture at that at when when survival's on the line mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it just doesn't. It's it's not even an immoral thing. It's it's like an amoral act. At, at that level versus for me to, you know, order a burger, in my opinion, given my options is immoral. But for that person to purposely inflict suffering onto a wounded, dying baby animal in order to bait its mother is, yeah, I, I don't think it is immoral. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. But it was just, it's like, damn, this, this is raw. This is. This well, I think even cosmic skeptic would say if you are starving to death, kill an animal and sure. eat it. Like, sure. I think his veganness comes specifically from the fact that you can have that option, that you can survive healthily without needing to sure. kill an animal. I think we have what is, I'm not a, an expert, but what amounts to uh, a a vision of the Native American as this, they used every part of the bone and were not wasteful and prayed to the things. And I went, yeah, probably not. You know, and maybe they weren't wasteful because of necessity as these, I mean, these guys ate every piece of meat, but like, there was a sense that they uh, didn't cause suffering that was quote-unquote gratuitous. And when I watched this guy bite this thing here in order to hurt it just a little bit more, I was like, damn, that's, that's life. Like, suffering uh, creates predictable responses, which can be exploited to the advantage of a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's gnarly out there. Nature is metal (laughs) and i don't really have a takeaway other than i was that i was personally struck by it i was like damn i am so disconnected from the way that humans did it for a million years Mm -hmm. i think we talked about this last week actually i don't know the fact that we've become so removed from the circle of death that's Mm. why that's why death's like a child's death is considered the worst this is like a circle of life like this is what is required to live every day for a million years and i'm just i'm thinking about how to make a YouTube video or like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons characters and stuff like that. So it's, it's, I guess, very fortunate and incredible and fragile that society has, has uh, enabled us to think about morality and uh, video games and podcasts and all this mm-hmm. weird stuff because I have a full belly and have never had to worry about, except with the exception of Brazil, when I would <laughs> eat my next meal. That's all. Yeah, it reminds me of Dominion, which I watched, but that's a much longer conversation, so I think we'll save it for another week. You don't want to do it? Not particularly. I think we switched to, switched to questions. Okay.
All right. First one is, my friends and family say that I'm smart, but I fail to find success in work and separately entrepreneurship. I've been looking at trauma in my life and examine internally what is going on to cause me to not find the success I seek. And I think that I have a blind spot for trauma. I've been in therapy, but have not gained anything substantive. I'm seeking to explore myself with psychedelics. The closest I get to a solution is Jordan Peterson's bit, which I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Take on the biggest thing you can manage and go to the places that appear darkest to you and seek answers there. Honestly, I think I'm open to the truth, but I have been searching for answers for decades about how and why I seem to self-sabotage and get into situations that limit me. I might not be smart, and it may be um, inherent and may not. Can Ben expand on the people that fit a similar profile he's talked to and any better solutions than the Jordan Peterson's best advice? I didn't understand that last piece about the profile. Me neither. Okay. Maybe they just mean, um, maybe they accidentally omitted Charlie and then meant to say, uh, can Charlie and Ben maybe use real life examples that fit a similar character profile? What is the character profile? Um, somebody who's yeah self-sabotaging and is unsure if uh if they're just not smart enough or if they're actively like cutting their own feet out from underneath them uh okay so let's start with you've gone to therapy and you've not gotten a lot out of it therapy like i think a lot of medical stuff especially but uh you know what there's there's anytime there's an asymmetry between your understanding of a subject and the and the practitioner and the results can be soft in some ways. It's very tough to tell if you're working with someone good. And so that means that you can have therapists of wildly varying quality. And I've, I've had a couple and I can tell you that the good ones are so much better than the ones that are less talented. So it might be a therapist thing where you might do better with a different therapist or a different style of therapy. Like, sure one of the newfangled somatic therapies or uh, family systems therapy, which which can sometimes be good for trauma, um, depending on what you're working with. So it might just be worth expanding your the breadth of, of that. As for the trauma thing, one of the, the exercises that is in emotional mastery that I that I rec- that I recommend is to start with a, a triggering incident, something where you reacted in a way like a way that you sabotage yourself. Like, I don't know how you're doing it exactly, but let's say you got really angry at a superior and got yourself fired, just as an example. You would start with that feeling, lay down, close your eyes, feel that feeling, notice it in your body, which is a skill in and of itself. Watch it change and transform, feel it change and transform, and continue to ask yourself as this is happening periodically, when was the time I felt this sensation earlier? And and then just, it's... This is a skill that you can develop, but you allow your your mind and your body to offer up, oh, that's like in high school when um, I flipped out on my girlfriend and then she broke up with me or whatever. Uh, and you ask that question a handful of times and go, when was the first time? And sometimes you can get to um, like core wounds is, is the idea. Uh, a time that this was this occurred in your life, a similar situation, and you have been psychologically reacting with the same intensity as that first time and what can happen is that if you go back and you address that you experience it you allow the emotion to move through you it can take some of the edge off of the intensity with which you self-sabotage by getting angry in the present and the future so that's one thing to do and then i didn't understand the expanding on profiles piece. well i think he's talking about last or he or she is talking about last week when we talked about how we know people who will often self-sabotage. They're smart, you know, Ivy League educated type people who just can't can't have success. 
And I think there's two types of self-sabotage. Oh, when we were talking about like financial self-sabotage. Yes. So I think there's I two you. types of self-sabotage. The first is what you talked about, which is you get really angry and you curse out a boss because your reaction is much stronger than the situation dictates. And that's because it's mirroring some sort of anger that you have from your childhood. There's like a trauma issue. But I also think there's a second kind, which is just trauma isn't the way to describe it in the traditional is it belie- sense. Is it like belief it's oriented? A, it's, a, it's something where, you know, your dad was an artist, not yours, but the person I'm thinking of, your dad is an artist and has financial success, but just over the course of raising, you really gets into your head that the most important thing in life is to do is to create something beautiful. And so you don't want to do that. And you go and you try to be financially successful, but you constantly throw away good businesses and you can't figure out why. And then you realize that it's because you're trying to fulfill this dream that your dad laid out. And so, so it's not that you're, I'm just going to put labels on this. One of them is you might call like a trauma response and another is a limiting belief. Limiting beliefs tend to be easier to work through. Correct. And so it's not that your dad in this person's case hit you or anything of that nature, but they gave you a blueprint to follow for success. And you think you have to follow this blueprint for success to get love. And it it's not leading, it's leading you away from the things that your front brain wants to do to try to maximize wealth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, that, so those are that's totally different. And I think- the most helpful thing to think about for that is it's either CBT or an exercise that's kind of similar to CBT where you basically try to figure out like, what do I associate with wealth? Do I think that wealth is tied to greed? Do I think that wealth is tied to bad people? Like, do I have, when I think of the rich, do I envy them? Do I feel like I belong there? Do I hate them? And, and trying to understand how you view those people is very helpful because if you resent and hate the wealthy, you will subconsciously prevent yourself from becoming one of the wealthy mm-hmm. because then you would have to resent and hate yourself. Yeah. So that's a different kind. It's not so much based on being beaten as a kid and having an over-exaggerated anger response because of it. It's just from yeah. negative associations that you acquired as a child from the beliefs of your parents so like uh, the exercise that ben sort of described is in whatever way you're self-sabotaging like what would it mean if i did the opposite of this like what would it mean about me what would it mean about my life what would it mean for the future if i did this and you just want to free write and if you see pop out in there things that you would obviously not want like it would mean that i'm selfish it would mean that i am low uh, integrity low integrity you know like if you see things that you're obviously going to move away from and those are baked into this process you're gonna oh shit of course i'm not moving there like i don't want to be low integrity but but before you try to tell yourself why that's not true or that the fact that you don't believe it the free writing is the important part because the truth is it's in there inside you and so you do the free writing exercise with no judgment just to understand your actual beliefs and associations with wealth and then you can go through the exercise of saying well how could in how in what ways could this not be true yeah like wealthy people are immoral well, what if those wealthy people use their wealth to create great positive change in the world? Mm-hmm. And so then you can tweak your internal dream after you. So first you do the, what's your belief system? Then you write out how that is negative things might not be true. You can reorient to, I'm going to try to create great wealth and use it for good. Assuming that that is a compelling, like, here's the good news. 
you're not trying to beat yourself. What you'll find out if, if this is the case is that your mind is steering you in the best direction. And you just got to get on the same page and be like, let's talk about it. Like, do you have accurate information about the world and expectations? Because, mm-hmm. look, I'm all on board to go away from low integrity. Yeah, in this kind of- exactly. So if this is right, thank you for avoiding yeah. wealth my whole life. Let's check if that's the case. Um, and so you're not trying to, like, beat your brain or talk it into submission. You're, you're like, damn, I have this guidance system that is orienting me in the best direction. It just might not have updated its its data. Yeah, and, and that my... Sp- my specifics here are getting a little washed because I'm mixing between this friend and Charlie who both mm-hmm. had similar situations. But in Charlie's example, just to go concrete, I think it was very helpful for you to go, okay, I'm going to remove my limiters, my self-imposed limiters on success. And then I'm just going to donate more to charity than anyone I know. Mm-hmm. And that's that switch, that decision was what allowed you to become more successful. Yeah, that was. I think that was a big piece of it. So, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Hopefully mm-hmm. that's helpful. Well, I, I, I'm now overly expanding. Some people would find the argument compelling at, oh, like I know some rich people that aren't jerks. That wasn't enough for my internal guidance system. My internal guidance system was like, for whatever reason, it's just too selfish to have that much money sitting stagnant in a bank. And so I, I the only way that I was able to get my internal guidance system on my side, I was like, what if we gave a lot of it away? Yeah, yeah. What if we locked in a percentage that had to leave. It's like, well, then that would get bigger and bigger. And it's like, well, then it's like, well, you might have to even up that percentage as you get more money because, you know, if Jeff Bezos gives away 10%, la di la di da. It's like, okay, what if we did that and the percentage went up? It's like, okay, but we still might need an absolute cap, at which point you're just a selfish SOB. And I was like, okay, we can have we can have an absolute cap and an increasing scale that it'll go up to. And uh, we'll talk later. I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go try to do this. So uh it's going to be personal to each individual. Cool. Cool. Next is, hey guys, out of interest, why don't the both of you live together? Girlfriends. So when I when we moved here, um, I was exiting. It was little did I know at the time, I think, but I was not certain if I was going to exit my last relationship. Ben was in a relationship with a girl that we didn't know if it was going to end. Neither of us liked the other one's girlfriend. And yeah. so... We loved hanging out with each other and spending time with each other, but being forced to spend time with the other person's significant other was repellent. Mm-hmm. And so we opted not to put ourselves into the situation where we would have to be around that other person's significant other. Mm-hmm. And so we lived 40 seconds apart. I timed it. Yes, yes. We shortly broke up after with those those girls. But had the timing been different, I think we would have. I got the two... The two-bedroom regardless. Oh, if the timing were different, we would have lived together. Yes. Yeah, I think that's true. Cool. And lastly, um, this is more of a response about last week. <clears throat> so somebody, this person said, um, I'm writing in about the self-censorship censorship question. Um, so at their school, there have been cases of one student trying to get other students in trouble with administration for messages sent in a student-run group chat. <laughs> Um, There is a well-known conservative student group, the Federalist Society, and it is common to aggressively and openly mock that student group. During Justice Barrett's confirmation hearings, there was a number of honestly disgusting memes attacking her personally. The Overton window does not extend as far right as it does left. I went to an engineering program in Canada for college and did not feel similar pressure. I'm only speaking empirically, and I want to be clear I'm not expressing an opinion as to whether this is good or bad. Normatively, I don't know. 
The students may have been a little insensitive. Not everybody in the Federalist Society is a good faith actor, and Justice Barrett is now one of the most powerful people in the most powerful countries in the world, and at least some scrutiny ought to come with that. There's also a question of whether this is just how free speech works, no legal sanctions for saying most things, but social sanctions will and should determine what people think. Um, I think a lot of people would agree that somebody who goes around saying black lives don't matter, eugenics is correct, or the Nazis were right, should be socially sanctioned at the very least. Maybe the Overton window should be uh, moved to left because that's where progress is. But then again, the Overton window was also used to kill Galileo thousands of years ago and historically has been a powerful tool for oppressing minorities and fomenting and fomenting humanitarian abuse. Mm -hmm. So last week, I don't think what we were saying was people should be able to say whatever they want without consequence. What we were saying is you may not realize that self-censorship and social censorship has gotten so strong that a North Korean escapee felt it was on par with North Korea. So yeah, philosophically, I completely agree. Freedom of speech is not freedom of consequences, straight up. You have the right to say what you want. You have the right to be fired for it, to be unfriended for it. Yeah, that's, That is all the case. And I don't think anyone would argue that that's not good. You should be judged based on your beliefs and actions and thoughts and uh, whatever that may be. But the thing that I was surprised by was the fact that we think of North Korea and China as these places where freedom of thought is restricted and maligned in a way that is not good. And our university system, at least according to one North Korean escapee, is getting very, very close to that level, which I think might surprise a lot of people. And I think if people knew that, they might dislike that that was occurring. Yeah. And so Jordan Peterson and this woman were just bringing that to people's awareness in case you aren't currently at Columbia University. Like, hey, heads up, if you keep ignoring this, these 18-year-olds will be 25-year-olds and they're going to make policy. Mm -hmm. And then your policy is going to be made by people who have accepted that social censorship can be on par with China and North Korea. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. That's all we were saying. Yeah, I think, well, this you, this person raised an interesting point, which we've talked about, which is like, look, there's always unacceptable things in discourse that will get you canceled. Canceling is not new. What I think is right now unique to a specific set of actors is, and may, I don't know if this has always been the case, but the digging through historical statements, the tattletailing, mm -hmm. like that is something that when I was growing up was associated with the right. That was like the Christian kid who would go to and be like, you said damn in the, I had one friend yeah. tell his mom that I said damn. <laughs> and like in a group of 12 year old boys, mm -hmm. uh, that's tattling, you know, sure. and, and that, that I guess is totally, it can show up on either side of the uh, political spectrum. Right now in the U.S., it is that tattling seems to be a staple of that, the more left side, but even the more left side is, um, I guess this is the other thing is uh, both sides are being more and more characterized by what the extremes yeah i think most think? i think both sides are being mischaracterized yeah. by what the extremes of their side think mm -hmm. and so you like get most liberal people don't agree with extremist liberals yes um and so you get yeah that that most kids in that group chat are not tattletales most kids in that group chat just want to shit on donald trump and amy coney barrett and that's like 
this this has been going on forever. But then you have a handful of kids who will tattle when the same thing happens on the flip. And that is what doesn't need to be legally stopped, but I think needs to be socially frowned upon. Well, the number one thing I think is dangerous to censor, and I know that it can be abused, is questioning things. Mm -hmm. Like you can get canceled now for even just raising a question. Like, is this a good policy or is this thing that you're basing this decision on true? Yes, but l- let me let me steal a minute. Um, no, I know it can be. I know it can be abused. Well, I actually don't know that you're framing it right because there's questions of like, you know, can we enslave black people? Like, why can't we enslave black people? Um, to be fair, I think every question I'm a philosophy person. Like we ask, like, why can't I kill babies? You know, we, sure. like that's what philosophy does. Um and I, I like that, but... No, that's kind of what I'm saying is I, I wish we could have more good... And obviously the thing is you can't go in bad faith, ask a question and not be interested in the answer and you're just trying to prove your point. Mm-hmm. But to have a good faith question, like I, I have a genuine question and I'm not even going to say one because I'm not trying to get canceled. Yeah. But it's like, what if I don't believe this because I don't believe the data it's backed by? Sure, so I mean, and I, I guess we're, we're kind of far from this person's comment, but I think there's a lot of reasonable questions that anyone could ask and they're going to piss off different segments. How do we know the Holocaust is real? And there's, there's answers to these questions. I'm not I saying, think it's fine like, to ask that. Yeah, yeah. I, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. If, you gen, if you're not coming in saying the Holocaust is fake, mm-hmm. how do you know it's real? But you come in and you say, hey, how, why is this real? Just mm-hmm. genuinely tell me why it's real. Yeah, yeah. And you're open to hearing it. And then... T- yeah, that's that's great. And then someone from each side should come give their best argument. And then hopefully the more compelling argument is the one that you take because it has more merit. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. That's my ideal society. What? Let's go back to this person's question because I do think we've navigated. Was there was there a question there or was it just more like a no, comment? No, it's just what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. Um, well, sorry. I think what I was saying is is that generally this person's saying shouldn't there be social consequences to freedom of speech or something of that nature? And I go, yeah, that's that's totally fine. I think the re- the thing we're bringing up is how far the censorship is going in specifically the youth, the the teenage, early 20s people in the U.S. Because when those people are 25, 30, 35, 40, they're going to still have all these beliefs that they're acquiring in yeah. college. And then they're going to make policy. And that policy will, then you'll go from social censorship to real censorship. Well, there's a meta ethic that needs to be discussed. We're kind like, of seeing that, honestly, because we're seeing corporations now censor based on their yeah. ethics. So so basically, you take a young adult, give them these philosophical concepts that become ingrained in them, and then they become adults, and then they push their philosophy onto the world. And so I think it's just important to note that one of those philosophies in Columbia University, according to this North Korean defector, is extreme social censorship, that saying anything about these certain things is bad. It's like, well, you're going to see when all these people graduate and become the managers and the CEOs, they're going to ban speech in their corporations. They're going to ban speech in their cities if they're mayors. But this is already, I mean, this has happened with, this is what's unfortunate. Ideologies that are robust are ones that have built-in mechanisms to disrupt free inquiry. You know, like this is why religion is one of the reasons, in my opinion, that it is so long lasting is the devil can twist scripture to his own. It's like, don't believe anybody who disagrees with Mm -hmm. this. Anyone who disagrees is one, going to hell, two, trying to poison you. And then I see this. I see this in the comments sometimes. Like people have been armed with words to close their ears to counter arguments. So Mm -hmm. if you have a counter argument, they have like a couple of fancy words that they'll misuse Mm -hmm. to just try to shut you down. And they don't really understand necessarily the context of why it doesn't apply 
but it's just a way for them to go, no, 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 no. Like mm-hmm. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Well, what? Yeah, I guess as uh, as I'm thinking through, I'm like, what is the the meta ethic that guides these? And one of the meta ethics of this, um, well, religion has one, but of of the left is that uh, words are violence. You know what I mean? And so, like, if you say something, it it can harm me. So, like, I need to f- defend myself from that, and that might be social, but it also like legal s- sanctions to stop you from harming me. Mm-hmm. Because we would all agree that we want legal sanctions to stop violence, and we've not, you know, had I guess I don't know where it would occur or between whom had a public discussion like when do words constitute harm and when do they not? <laughs> um, yeah, when can I disagree without it being violence? And is the fact that you feel hurt automatically assign me blame for being violent? Mm-hmm. Um, but and some people would say yes. Yeah. Uh, and and there, as I understand it, it would matter because the, the worldview is it matters what your skin color is, what their skin color is, and that can tell you whether you're acting out historical roles of oppression, which are the fundamental building blocks of interaction. Um, so anyway, we're just, uh, we're riffing on this question. We can, <laughs> we can go to another. That's the last one, right? Yep. Is that it? Oh, time for patrons. Patrons. All right, patrons, we're going to hop in and we got some patron questions we're going to do. So you guys over there, if you guys want to join the discord and you are a patron, do so. Yeah. How do they do so? If they are a patron, they just, how do they contact you in the Patreon? They just write in. Yeah. So you can Google how to join the discord and then Patreon has like a very concise, clear FAQ thing that you can just follow um, to get in. Or yeah, you can just message us directly if that's a problem. Well, I'd say go through the Patreon. That way way you know that you're getting actual patrons. (laughs) Cool. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, see you guys on Patreon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.